You're listening to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast, where we read them so you don't have to. Like the show? Become a patron at patreon.com forward slash nygbc. You should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can eat more. getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book that you can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. Oh, and welcome to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast, where we read them so you don't have to, because the man on the phone said we'd never see our family again if we didn't. My name is Kevin, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Benedict, not the hero Gotham wants or needs. Benedict! Who's a good boy? Who's a good boy? Who's a good boy? Are you a good boy? Yeah. You're a good boy. You're a good boy. How are you today, Benedict? I'm fine, thank you, Kevin. How are you? Ah, fair to Midland. Could be worse. Could be better. Uh, I think I, I've I've uh, come across a winning invention: uh, sweatpants with a steam release valve in the crotch. I think I can make millions. I... Okay, <laughs> we're all okay. learning through the crisis. Um, sounds great. Well, might as well introduce our fantastic guest we have here with us today, Morgan Stringer. Morgan, how are you? I'm doing the best I can. It's been another inquiry in about, I don't know, an hour. <laughs> it changes. Yeah, it all gets bad. It all gets bad. But Morgan, you've been on the you've been with us before back on the old podcast, back in the dark days. Uh, and I think you I don't think you had graduated law school back then at that point. I had not. I have now. It does yes. not get better. <laughs> it's good to know. It gets progressively worse. Um, <laughs> the market was already bad when I left, but uh, now I work for Andrew Torres of Opening Arguments fame. So, yeah, we're, we're doing cool. the thing. Um, it could be worse than yeah. that. I could imagine fate's worse than that. Yeah. yeah I've, so I've, I've been to big law mixers. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's all good. It's, you know, small firm, but, you know, as it goes, uh, one of the first expenses a lot of people cut during this time, you know, are obviously they're lawyers. So I'm just like yep. hanging out. And then I'm just like, anybody want a will because you're about to die? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure that's gone through the roof. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it, it's dark times. <laughs> but we'll make it, maybe. Gotta hustle. Gotta hustle to make that money. Okay. Well, with that out of the way, and our, our fantastic guest here with us, why don't we get into it? Benedict, starting off with our alternative reading suggestions for this week. Benedict, what oh, do you yeah. have for us now? I have Malcolm Harris's Shit is Fucked Up and Bullshit, <laughs> which is a accurate reflection of the times, you might say. That's either a uh, book title, title or all of my tweets. <laughs> the title actually takes inspiration from one of the Occupy Wall Street signs, um, which was someone went to a protest with a sign that said, shit is fucked up and bullshit, which is more eloquent than anything I have ever said. And it's basically a book of essays by this guy who is a communist, essentially, but it's an interesting different angle uh, and made a refreshing change from whatever this is that we're reading by Donald Trump Jr. So that's cool. Fantastic. Morgan, do you have an alternative reading suggestion for us this week? 
Yes, I do. And I would encourage listeners to see if their local library uh, participates in Libby or some kind of ebook loan program, which is what I'm using to get my books at the moment. So right now I'm reading Ta-Nehisi Coates, Between the World and Me, and his other work, We Were Eight Years in Power. Um, I think it's a very prescient recommendation given the chapter we're reading today, (laughs) uh, because he actually has very relevant and insightful takes on race and being Black in America, unlike Don Jr. So it'll make an excellent palate cleanser, and it also really makes you reflect and think. You know, I would recommend Ta-Nehisi Coates' run on... Captain America. That's that's what I would recommend from Donnie's Goats because I'm a nerd. Yeah, uh, his Black Panther but, comic was actually yeah, a law textbook so of mine. It's so good. He's yeah. such a good comic book writer because he's a legit nerd and he loves it. And you can feel that love for comics coming through when it's good writing. And it's so amazing. Can I, can I just say, Kevin, before you say yours, um, bookshop.org is a really good way to, if you can't get to the library, if you want to order books online, bookshop.org supports local lender, local bookstores. So do that. Good suggestions. Good suggestions. So as much as I do love Ta-Nehisi Coates' run on Black Panther and Captain America, that is not my suggestion for this week, but it is a standing recommendation. Uh, my suggestion for this week is On the Jews and Their Lies by Martin Luther, uh, because you may love the ideas that we read in this chapter this week, but want a little less subtlety in your anti-Semitism. Uh, because what we what we come to realize now in basically all the books we've read is they are all positing the Jewish lie, but have replaced Jewish with either globalist or leftist or liberal and continued Cultural on Marxist. with the same argument. Cultural Marxist is the other one. Cultural Marxist, yes, I always forget cultural Marxist. Well, yes, if you replace any one of those with liberal or leftist or whatever, you basically have the Jewish lie uh, coming through in all of these books. Because as we know, the liberals, see Jew, control the media and academia and the banks, etc., etc., etc. It just hit me this week that we were getting that in this book, which I did not quite suspect we would. It all comes back to the Jews. Like, I don't, I, I don't understand. It always, like, every single bit Morgan, of Morgan, if I can like, give you a note, if I can give you a note on the air, in that accent, it's not great to say. No. Oh, my God. Somebody's going to clip this. Send it to Andrew and be like, uh. It's not great in any accent, if we're honest. No, no, like, it isn't. All right, so we yeah. are... We return to our book review of Triggered by Donald Trump Jr., a man with the aspirations of Doc Antle, but the abilities of Joe Exotic. Benedict, what did we <laughs> read this Joe week? Exotic. Like, <laughs> uh, this week, we read a chapter on Back to School. And uh, this, by the way, was ghostwritten by Eric, who is the only possible worse writer than Donald Trump Jr. Possible, very possible. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it was a nice look into, I guess the thesis of the chapter is, uh, I should be allowed to say the things that I think, but nobody else should be allowed to say the things that they think. But also, it's bad that other people even want to say the things that they think, and they're all liberal, lefty, crybaby, SJWs. He says SJW at least, like, seven times in this You had this idea a couple of episodes ago to try and come up with a thesis for the chapter we read, but seeing you struggle through it (laughs) just shows how hard it is to actually comprehend what they're trying trying to say. I'm trying 
I'm trying to come up with an objective thesis for the chapter rather than his thesis. But there, he like I'm not sure what the objective thesis is. His thesis is the left is shutting down debate on campus. Mm-hmm. That's his thesis, and that that's the that's the point of this chapter. But the way he goes about it is very odd, as we will see. I yes. would say that the point of this chapter is just a way for him to brag about how hot he thinks college girls find him. <laughs> I think it, it, it seems like he really, like, that's what he wants to get to, but he's like, how do I get there while pretending <laughs> I have something to say other than that? That is it. And also, like, there's a point in this where he says, uh, I think I'm a good looking guy. Hey, I'm a Trump. What else am I supposed to think? That's literally, yeah, I know you haven't read all of this book, Morgan, but he says that once a chapter. Yeah, yeah. at like, least. Literally once a chapter. But with that same weird parenthetical, like, hey, I'm a Trump man. Like, shut the fuck up, honestly. Like, Well, knowing uh, what he thinks about college girls, we can be sure that his current girlfriend, Kimberly Guilfoyle, showed him a fake ID uh, when he... He started dating her, showing she was much younger than she actually is. Uh, But Benedict, this is chapter eight. This is titled, Back to School. You might be surprised at what the money you pay for tuition buys you. Do you have an alternate chapter title for this week? I do. It is a play on the classic Pink Floyd song and how this chapter made me feel. And that chapter title is, all in all, it's just another kick in the balls. You dumb Brit. (laughs) (laughs) Hey Morgan, do you have a chapter title for us? Um, I have four. Oh, oh you always hey, do. I you always do. Okay, I've got this. All definitely happened. Subtitle: <laughs> I am very hot and not at all going through a middle-aged divorced dad midlife crisis. <laughs> the junior don't protest too much, in which I am overly defensive about not being a bigot and a Nazi. Citation needed and context suspiciously missing. A Twitter thread, one out of question mark. <laughs> that's the whole book. That's the that's the subtitle. Oh, Morgan, we just need to farm out all of our alternate chapter titles to you. We really do. Definitely. I'm going to a southern equivalent to Shakespeare here, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And my alternate chapter title is The College Dropout's Guide to Campus Liberal Bias. Uh, that sounds like a real book. You know, oh, very <laughs> because this chapter took me back to my time when I was a right wing asshole in my early 20s. And uh, I was just starting to go back to college. And I went to com- community college in California uh, for two years before I went to UC Berkeley. And these ideas that he puts forward in this book are the ideas that I had about what I was going to experience when I went to college. So I I completely understand where this came from. And part of why I turned around and became who I am today is that when I got to college, none of this was happening, and my worldview was destroyed by the fact that it wasn't this liberal hellscape I had been told it was going to be. And also, presumably, you had to debate with people and defend your ideas. Well, yes, that was also (laughs) a huge part of it. I came in going, I'm going to just destroy these liberals with this uh, this uh, immense logic I have been uh, acquiring through reading Glenn Beck and Dinesh D'Souza <laughs> books, and they they just won't know how to handle it. And I was I was sorely mistaken at yeah. that. No, thankfully, but that's what I'm saying. That's what I said at the beginning of the chapter. Like that, this is the same book that was written in 2012 by a hundred different conservative yeah. intellectuals that oxymoron again but 
it's it's there's nothing new here like this is what they've been saying literally trump jr says this all started around 2010 that's when the first book about this shit was written and nobody's written anything new since so like yeah and they all assume like every college is you know he's like exactly the same i'd like to just point out that i went to the university of mississippi known as old miss it's not a bastion of progressive values like (laughs) what a shock you you know what i'm saying like i mean we had liberal professors but we did have like an overwhelmingly weird conservative student body like it's like yeah we had like it was like all three of us were like yeah we're leftists you know (laughs) like it went, we weren't like anything like we did not have half the power this man thinks we did i went, you, you didn't need you didn't need a very big meeting room no we did it i was remind us who your mascot power. was at Ole miss morgan well now it's a land shark but yeah now um, it's a shark but who was it It was a bear before and then before it was colonel rev which was like a confederate uh-huh. colonel and then there's literally <laughs> a confederate statue on campus and then another one downtown in front of the courthouse like we don't have all this leftist power to like even get those moved you know, it's just like, like, it's like it, yeah. how do we have the power to like control the college campus? I do not understand. But. Yeah. And and that's the thing. I mean, even in his own writing, he's like, you know, everywhere is bad. All universities are terrible. But Ohio, the famous conservative unit, like it's not <laughs> Ohio is very a very middle of the road university. Like Oh, he takes it all he takes it all back perfect. towards the end of this chapter, right? And we'll yeah, we'll get to it. It's that's fantastic. Not, that's not, sorry, because I'm right. just gonna ruin the whole chapter by yelling until my <laughs> otherwise. This was a fun chapter, I have to say. From no, our perspective, having to read these books. Uh, you know, it was a fun chapter. It was. It wasn't so crazy and offensive. You know, uh, uh, sort of throwing in racism and shit like we had a couple chapters ago. But uh, it was. It was crazy in a fun way, and I really enjoyed this chapter. So we start off with this chapter learning that the two most important things that we have in this country are disagreement and debate. And without them, we would still be a British colony learning how to curtsy to the monarch while sipping afternoon tea. As, as I do daily, <laughs> as I fucking do every day. We never stop doing that. I have to curtsy at three in the afternoon. I have to Skype the queen, <laughs> put my little finger out and curtsy in my pretty skirt. Like that is my daily routine. But when I get never moved on. Do I get healthcare? Yeah, yeah, I curtsy? I'll yeah. do it. Oh, I would do yeah. that. I would do that for healthcare. Yes. Like, can I not get shot? Like... <laughs> But we start off this chapter learning that there are certain things we need to know before we go and disagree with or debate anyone. And he provides us with two very handy checklists so that we can find out. Before you go into this, I I, I just want to point out that he says that if you disagree with a member of a minority group and you're not one, you're going to have to shut up. Also, if the person you disagree with is a woman and you're not, you have to shut up. And if you make more money than the person you disagree with, you'll also have to shut up. And the only reason we know this is because he's written it in his New York Times best-selling book. So he's done a really <laughs> poor job of shutting up. I wish so they would take just... their advice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it would be nice. So he provides us with two checklists. And the first one asks us, are you, the reader, white, yep. straight, yep. male, yep. Christian, Nope. Cisgender. Yep. And he, he he takes the time to put in a parenthetical mocking <laughs> transgender people, which is, A, 
fucking disgusting and just what we expect from him. But he, you know, he puts in this whole parenthetical about, oh, this, I'm not sure if you know what this word is, but it means that you identify with the gender you were assigned at birth. Or if you have man parts and feel like a man, or woman parts and feel like a woman, in italics for extra douchebaggery. Yep. But then we get yeah. the next one, which this is, are the people you are disagreeing with, African American, Asian, Hispanic, or Native American? Uh, th- those are apparently the only demographics he's aware of, because that's <laughs> the only ones he includes. Uh, a woman, a Muslim, a Democrat, poor, transgender, under a lot of stress right now, or an illegal immigrant. And if we've checked off any of those boxes, unfortunately, we're going to have to shut up. And I, I love... I feel like I should be offended that just regular <laughs> immigrant isn't on there. Like, I did, I, was this to fit on one page? They had to cut regular immigrant? Or do I not get special treatment? This is unfair. <laughs> but I do love that what he the way he describes how they have to shut up is, in fact... Quote, this is a quote, why don't you just strap on a dog, mu- dog muzzle to your face? These days, that's the only way you'll be able to make the radical left in this country happy. And Donnie, I gotta let you know, there are certain websites where you can indeed make people very happy by strapping a dog muzzle onto your face. I can send you those links if you want, but I'm pretty sure your I girlfriend's not gonna like be happy to point about out that, that strapping a dog muzzle onto your face doesn't make you shut up necessarily. <laughs> it stops you from biting people. But it doesn't. It doesn't make you quiet. Like if you're gonna bite people, maybe you should. If that's how you're gonna. As you can hear, Benedict knows a lot about this. Muzzle. He has more links to those sorts of websites than I do. So he, any listener who wants this sort of information, you can email him. Yeah. Check out his OnlyFans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's bigger than our Patreon. <laughs> Oh, so this is where, of course, we get a bunch of random shots in here at safe spaces and people who are... Oh, I said, yeah, I basically was like, if you developed a drinking game out of its chapter, like I started to, I would have been dead before the first three pages. It's like, take a shot for every time safe space, SJW, leftist, anytime he brings up a minority, like anytime he's like, I'm not racist, and then says something racist. <laughs> like, I was like, I need to stop, I'll be dead or blind. Like, yeah. it's out of yep. control. Yeah, well, you'll, you'll have mean, alcohol the, poisoning for sure. The, uh, the 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 start of the next bit is though, like those on the left are allowed to say whatever they want with zero qu- consequences. They're allowed to question anyone, protest anyone, and start riots in opposition to anyone, and nothing will happen in return. Like, yeah, that's debate. Like, that's what you said you wanted. Well, other than the riot part, I think. <laughs> well, yeah, sure, but but that's not what he means. Also, he he does the classic thing of saying antifa instead of anti-fascist, which is like spell it out at least. Oh yeah, and every single... I think everyone knows what that means at this point. I don't think they do. I really don't think they do. I don't think Fox News. I don't think Fox News viewers know that Antifa means anti-fascist. Because then do they'll you? be like, "But what does that make us?" Oh. Yeah, exactly. Are we oh. the baddies? <laughs> <laughs> oh, every single black Muslim woman has been on the Rachel Maddow show, according to Don. Uh huh. Yep. Yep. No, I think. I, correct me if I'm wrong, Morgan. I think you did Dinesh D'Souza with us. I believe so. I think he did I a chapter of Dinesh D'Souza. I, yes, I think he did a chapter of Dinesh D'Souza, and he had a whole big thing about Antifa, because, of course, his whole argument is the left are the real fascists, yeah. and the right are whatever else there is, I guess. Uh, but So anyway, what this chapter begins by getting into, it begins, I have to say, although we're, we're now four pages in, uh, is campus craziness, 
which of course uh, is one of Fox News' favorite perennial hits. And starting off here, he's going to bring up UC Berkeley, my alma mater, of course. Uh, but he starts off here with, and I had to bring this up, because he quotes an entire paragraph from a piece that was published in the Yale Daily News. Oh, uh, yeah, I remember this. Yes. We talked about it on the old show. We did. We did, because this piece was a satire written by a Yale conservative, a Yale Republican, saying, Republicans are single-handedly destroying the Yale community. We can't do anything. We need to make sure that the school stops allowing Republicans, yada, yada, yada. It was a satire which he printed in here as though it was completely serious and proof of the craziness going on on college campuses. It's just delightful we, when we can see he's, he obviously, as we've mentioned many times, does not have an editor. There's no way an editor went through this book and let that stay in there. Well, also, it's bad satire. Like, that's the other thing. Like, right. it, a, it's not good satire. And B, Donald Trump Jr. is too dumb to recognize even bad satire for what it is. Like, Or he's using it as insidiously because he knows people aren't going to fact yeah. check because he suspiciously has no citations to all these little stories he has. Which I'm yeah, sure Kevin and I get so angry about the citations. I've stopped even looking for citations. It's so loosely. I mean, like the last chapter, it, the last chapter was only 11 or 12 pages, but it literally only had two citations. That was it. So it, it's pretty bad. We'll get to one of them later. We'll get to one of them later. Oh, on they're the very all, next page, we'll URLs. get to one, as a matter they're of fact. They're all URLs. There's, yeah. no, there's, there's no academic texts in there. So, but after mentioning that Yale piece, we move on to, of course, the infamous events at UC Berkeley with Milo Yiannopoulos and Ben Shapiro, where they were shouted down and destruction occurred and conservatives were afraid for their lives. And I have to mention, I was there for both of these events. I was there for the Milo event and I was there for the Ben Shapiro event. The Milo event, I had just gotten out of class and I was walking down there to see what was going on because there was a huge crowd of students, right? And all the conservatives like to paint the Milo event as though it was just a mob of people destroying everything. In reality, it was thousands of students standing well away on the grass outside of this big area we have on campus in Berkeley, chanting peacefully. And 15 or 20 people who weren't students at Berkeley, who were Antifa from the Bay Area, smashing shit. Which... For students who, for people who haven't gone to UC Berkeley, I can't describe how much those of us who have been there love our school, love our university, because it's a very special place. We don't smash our own shit, okay? Yeah, we don't smash our own shit. But what also got me a little steamed in here is that he claims in this chapter, quote, student activists and members of Antifa had shown up with weapons and wearing hockey pads. I did not see a single person wearing fucking hockey pads. It's the Bay Area of California. No one plays hockey. Ready to rumble. The campus police hadn't been prepared to deal with that kind of assault. By the end of that night, the protesters caused about $500,000 worth of damage and brutally assaulted dozens of people who had stood in their way. In reality, it was less than a dozen people who were injured. He also makes it sound like bystanders but, were like people who were just like walking down the sidewalk and all of a sudden Antifa was just like, yeah, like, you know, no. jumped them. Like, it was more often somebody who was yelling at them, uh... <laughs> And, and look, people shouldn't be beaten. That's not a good thing. But there was one guy in particular who I remember from that night who was walking around yelling at all the students and the Antifa people, America hates you. America loves Donald Trump. America wants you all to go away. And he ended up getting smacked around. So 
that shouldn't have happened. You shouldn't get beaten up for that. But it's not like they were just peacefully standing around and got beaten for no reason. But I do have to take issue, particularly with his quoted amount of $500,000 worth of damage. Because I know this number because I saw this number at the time. The real number is around $100,000 of damage. And I went, where could he get $500,000 from? So I went to the back of the book where his citations are. And I look, the citation for page 127, Madison Park and Kyung Law. Berkeley protests of Milo Yiannopoulos caused $100,000 in damage. His own citation in the title of it says it was $100,000. Yeah, he just made it up. That's how bad this book is. Yep, he inflated the number by five times and then put a citation that proved him wrong <laughs> in the back of the book. That's where we go. My, my favorite bit about this is like, as the event drew closer, protesters gathered where the event was going to take place. The crowd then began chanting in unison, no Trump, no KKK, no fascist USA. Like, do you think that's all things they shouldn't be chanting? Like, where, where's your line? Like, do you, like, no Trump. Okay, fine. But like, no KKK, no fascist USA. You're cool with that though, right? But like, he swears he's not a Nazi. You, he gets very, very defensive yeah. about how I'm not a Nazi. Mm-hmm. And they're calling me a Nazi. Who's a, you're the Nazi. I'm not the Nazi. And I'm like, also, you seem weirdly worried about this. Right-wing people have been calling, like, the mildest centrist Democrats commies for, like, generations. <laughs> so I'm sorry. Like, yeah. this is just our our version of that. Like, even if we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves, which we, they're a lot closer to Nazis than we, most of us are to communists. He's praising I Milo Yiannopoulos. I don't think we're yeah. off. Like, and Christ. Ben Shapiro, yeah. who everyone thinks is really, really smart, but he just talks real fast. But but Morgan, yeah. Milo Neopolis has a token, I'm sorry, I mean black husband, uh, so obviously he can't be a Nazi. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they all yeah. have a, just yeah. like, Trump can't hate immigrants because all of his wives are immigrants, with the of exception course. of the one he really hates. Yeah. Uh, so moving on, of course, that was the Milo Yiannopoulos event. And the next one he's going to talk about is the Ben Shapiro appearance at University of California, Berkeley. Uh, and that, I was there for that one as well. And it, admittedly, like I said, the Milo event had some violence. There was It was mainly property damage. And it shouldn't have happened. I really wish it hadn't. And I love my university. I didn't want it to happen there. The Ben Shapiro event, nothing happened at. Because that was months later, after we had had several rounds of literal neo-Nazis and biker gangs and militias coming to town because they wanted to antagonize and start fights in Berkeley. So by that point, the Berkeley police and the UC Berkeley uh, campus had figured out that they need some pretty heavy security for this shit because people are coming to cause some problems. Nothing happened at the Ben Shapiro event. I was there. There was some light protesting. There was some idiots doing some stuff. I think a couple people got arrested just for, like, having weapons on them. But there wasn't really anything that happened there. But, of course, there was a lot of hubbub about Ben Shapiro uh, being there, and there were protests. And the university, of course, uh, sent out this message, which he calls smug, uh, about uh, the Ben Shapiro appearance, which is, quote, our commitment to free speech as well as to the law mandates that the students who invited Shapiro be able to host their event for those who wish to hear him speak. How smug is that? Not very. <laughs> and also, I, yeah, I, he I, gets I, mad that this is a campus-wide email, and he's like, oh, because they were trying to cause trouble. And I'm like, but I thought yeah. you believed in, like, the free exchange of ideas. Wouldn't you want people to know about your event? Like, why are you speaking at yeah. a college campus if you want this to be some kind of secret meeting? 
Well, I remember getting that email, okay? And I remember it being not the first time I had heard about the Ben Shapiro event, mainly because the Berkeley College Republicans had been making the rounds on fucking Fox News and everywhere they could get before a microphone and a camera to tell everyone that they were going to have Ben Shapiro come on campus. So it sure as shit wasn't the university trying to make it clear that Ben Shapiro was going to be there. Yeah, I think just just generally, and this isn't funny, it's just a serious point, sorry, uh, there's some confusion about what counts as the establishment here, because he's like, oh, the left used to be like anti- pro-free speech and anti being told what they could and couldn't say and like the establishment was scared of them like now you are the establishment i'm sorry like this is ben shapiro in 2017 almost a full year after donald trump won the presidency and you are the son of the president like the the republican establishment whether you like it or not is the figure of authority and establishment that the left protests against in the same way that they did in the 70s and 60s like just because the views of the establishment has changed doesn't mean that those people are no longer the establishment. You are still the powerful, like the media, the government, like you, the Republicans have taken control of a lot of that stuff in the last few years. And people say that left still controls a lot of the culture. That's probably true. But like inviting people to speak on college campuses isn't culture. Like that's education, whatever, like, and dominated by the the establishment figures that people tend to look to for guidance as to how they should think. And I'm sorry, just because you are now the establishment doesn't mean you get to get snippy when you're now the ones that people protest when you used to be outside the tent. Benedict, the reason why the left controls the, (laughs) our our social society, our, 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 uh, what was the word you used? Uh, culture. Our culture, culture, rather, is because it's impossible to write a punk song called Preserve the Power. Okay? <laughs> yeah. There's no creativity flowing from conservatism. That's the nature of it. <laughs> Preserve my power, specifically. Yes. There, yeah, and the whole Berkeley free speech movement, which he specifically... Oh. Like talking. He doesn't deserve to talk about the Berkeley free speech. Yeah. yeah. And he doesn't deserve like, to talk about the FSM. They were leftists. Like he talks as if that, yeah. like I am the like inheritor of that movement, and I'm like, no, you're not. Because I mean, just to piggyback off Benedict's point, like you're the establishment now. So those people back in the '60s and '70s, I guarantee you, Don Trump Jr. would not be on their side. Like <laughs> no, on the drugs and not budging, like yes, him. but on the other stuff, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, like the the Berkeley free speech movement was a huge deal because it came in the midst of of, you know, the civil rights era and freedom riders and all that stuff. And it came from students on UC Berkeley who were trying to advocate for those sorts of social and political movements. And the campus had said, no, we only allow the college Democrats and the college Republicans to do any sort of political activity on campus. And so they staged sit-ins. And they Mario Savio, personal hero of mine, who was as far leftist as you can be, gave the, his bodies upon the gears speech in these steps in front of our Sproul Hall, which is one of the main big halls when you walk onto campus right there by the front. And it's this fantastic speech. This makes me so angry. This is my university, okay? I can't tell you how mad this makes me when someone who doesn't deserve to associate with my alma mater in the slightest tries to do some, tries to do this shit. I'm angry, guys. I'm angry. Uh, 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 uh. (laughs) I can tell. (laughs) It's good. It's good. Anyways, why don't we move on before I blow a gasket? 
Sure. Also, just another thing. He's like, why is it always only the left that shows up? Because the left is generally better at grassroots organizing. That's just the nature of it, is the answer to the question. Right. Right. And when the right shows up, it's a, you know, they have to wear long sleeves to hide, hide their 88 tattoos. Uh, <laughs> I have pictures, guys. I have pictures from the rallies I was at because Benedict knows I was working for a certain website at the I time do, doing photography and stuff. I have the pictures. I'd got plenty of neo-Nazi tattoo pictures from those days. Uh, but, of course, we move on and we learn that, that the reason why we're talking about all this is, of course, because Donnie Jr. was going around the country at the time, doing all the rallies for his dad and touring all the college campuses, and that's where he met and fell in love with his good buddy, Charlie Kirk. Oh, God. The Youth Outreach <laughs> also, Program, which I'm like, but yeah. that's what you said the leftists were doing. Yeah. Exactly. He's like, you can't talk to the youth. They have to make up their own minds. They should talk to Charlie Kirk. Like, all right. Well, he mentions also, that just, what spurred this wait, wait, was. Wait, 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 wait. One second. Just before he mentions Charlie Kirk yeah, for the first time, going. he says, uh, refusing to read books contained that contain violence, which, in my opinion, excluded some great classics. Yeah. Name one. Yeah, Literally, that's exactly name, what name I had. One, <laughs> name one great classic. That's what that I had. you think. Great. Great. Yes. And but he mentioned that the boyish charm as well. He says, "I don't know whether it was my use of social media or my boyish charm and good looks." And by the way, a note on Don Trump Jr.'s social media that I know for a fact: back when um, he was in the middle of his divorce at his CrossFit gym in New York City, he would ask people to take pictures of him for his Instagram, so he could post <laughs> oh, them about oh. how like he was working out and stuff. So yeah, huge divorce dad energy. Look, Donnie Jr. looks like Chunk from the Goonies had meh plastic surgery. It's <laughs> <laughs> not bad. It's not bad. I'm saying it it, it worked some. It worked some. Uh, Eric Eric had the <laughs> Eric had the poor man's plastic surgery. Yeah, took uh, a while to settle for Eric. <laughs> but he described Charlie Kirk as a bright young guy who was focused on all of the right things. Who had found his own, had founded his own political organization when he was only 18 years old with massive money from the Koch Foundation, uh, which fought liberal bias and the discrimination against conservatives that was happening in colleges all across the country. And of course, we never get mention of what all that discrimination is. Could it be that they get worse grades because they're dumber? I don't know. I'm not going to say Maybe. that. It is possible, Maybe. though. Over the years, Charlie had had everything from Coca-Cola to chairs thrown at him. More than once, as I'd be giving a speech, as I'd be giving a speech, what the fuck is that language? And protesters would, would try to shout me down. Charlie, here we go, are you ready for this? His mm -hmm. secret weapon mm -hmm. would get his Trump, his turning point USA supporters to shout, USA, 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 oh. until they filled the auditorium and Antifa or the social justice warriors, parentheses, SJWs, <laughs> <laughs> would lose their willpower because as we all know ladies and gentlemen the kryptonite for all sjw's yeah. is three usas in a row because if we hear three usas in a row that's it we're done for the evening and yeah, morgan like did you have this pain did you have this painful experience that i did having written plenty of legal documents where he didn't do the parentheses of the acronym until like eight times after he'd used it yeah it was you do it the first like, time yeah Ugh. 
Yeah, and then you don't have to say social justice warriors to spell it out. Yeah. Again, like, you know, like, again, just no editing, nothing, no, none of that. But, you know, he's a great scholar of our time because he knows about these college campuses <laughs> and he's so hot. But, um, yeah, no, when he was talking about, like, Charlie Kirk and the Coke and the chairs, I'm like, I want to find this video. I'm sorry. I, I This is not legal <laughs> advice. But I do want to see where someone is throwing a chair, WWE SmackDown mm-hmm. style, at Charlie Kirk. <laughs> like, I want I'm to imagining- find like someone just gently tossing a stool in his direction. Yeah, the same thing we always sit. <laughs> or somebody handed him a coke and he drops it like comically. It's like damn Antifa. <laughs> See, it's the same thing we always say on the show. We do not endorse punching Nazis, but if it does happen, we are fine with laughing at the video of it over and over again. <laughs> yes. So I would be. I would like to see Charlie Kirk getting a coke thrown over him. That would be funny. Also, like. My big ambition for a lot of these, like youth, like Charlie Kirk, Candace Owens, is that they run for office oh, yeah. on the strength on the strength of like I've got this huge online following, <laughs> and then they don't even place like third in the polls. And then they find out how small that following is when yeah, you actually exactly. spread it or, like, across what the an entire actual congressional yeah. what an actual congressional district looks yeah. like. And then you're like, oh, oh no. That's not oh, enough people. It's almost to win like that my district. voice has been artificially amplified through the power of social media, and I don't actually have that big of a following. And billionaires. Compared to the rest of the country. Yes, yep. and billionaires. So he starts getting in here to the, the, the idea of words being violence uh, to marginalized communities on the campus. And he includes, of course, people of color and the LGBTQ community. And he says, and by the way, I would never say anything derogatory about people in the LGBTQ community or people of color, let alone try to do them harm, forgetting that eight pages ago he mocked them. Yeah, literally earlier in the chapter. That blew my mind. It's, it's, he has to be either the guy from Memento or have the memory <laughs> of a goldfish. I'm not sure which one, but literally eight pages ago, he mocked trans people. With his whole little, you know, feeling like you have the the gender that you were born with, whatever the fuck it was that he said. Literally eight pages ago, he mocked them. And then he says that. It blows my mind. And also shows the lack of empathy. Like, if if somebody, if say I were, I'm no one, but say I was somebody important. And I was speaking at a college campus and there was a, you know, a community that was like, wow, we're worried that your words will do violence to your community, to our community. I would step back and be like, hey, I would like to talk to them and have a genuine discussion about this because I don't want to do that. You know, like, I mean, it just shows like, huh, well, do they have a point? Like, there's no self-exploration here whatsoever. Yeah. I I mean, the, 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 ultimate thrust of everything he says basically is people asked me not to be a dick and i was not willing to do that so <laughs> yeah that, yes. that is yeah, the point of this summation. whole chapter <laughs> so we learn moving on through here that it's all a double standard right that liberals can say and do whatever they want but the conservatives are being called nazis and with a, their words are violence and that's the main thrust of this section of the chapter that everything conservatives say is evil and liberals can get away with anything, including, of course, throwing rocks through windows and doing actual violence. As we've seen, there's never been any repercussions for any of that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, th- yeah, and then <laughs> we, we... No, Benedict, it's not true. That's the point. That was the point of the pause. I, I mean, obviously. Because it was sarcastic. I, uh, clearly. I just think that, I love how he says that a woman says all white people should be extinct. 
And I'm oh, like, a subtle, subtle, a subtle shout out to the whole white genocide narrative there, which I'm like, again, <laughs> I did not care to even fact check it because I was like, this is so dumb. Like, and obviously, like, he lies, I mean, based off of his own Wait citations. Wait a minute. I missed so. this. Uh, I missed this part of the chapter before, but I think it's written. Quote, you will not replace us. You will not. Sorry. I- <laughs> yeah, basically, it's that. And I'm like, wait. And then he's all like, but I'm not a Nazi, but white genocide, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just like, yeah. Jesus Christ. And then he starts blaming, you know, these, um, going back to the 2010 thing where kids are raised by helicopter parents and, you know, have cell oh. phones in their hands, which. Also, I'm one of these kids he's complaining about, but I didn't have a phone until I was in high school and my childhood was objectively hell. Me either. High five through the internet. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm like Donnie Jr. lived through this, bitch. But um, I I do actually kind of agree with, you know, maybe kids are getting cell phones too early these days and that might not have the best outcomes because kids at a young age do stupid stuff on the internet that gets them into trouble either then or later in life. But But that's not the point he's making at all. Yeah, no. And also these helicopter parents are your dad's supporters. Like, he's bitching about all these, like, oh, everybody got a participation trophy. But then earlier in the chapter, he talks about how, like, all of his dad's supporters are middle-aged people. Like, clue. I mean, they were the like, ones giving the participation training. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. like, I mean, literally, like, connect the two thoughts, Donnie. Can can we do it? No, we can't. Yeah, he he does he does also say like social media makes it extraordinarily easy to join crochet. He like he does this thing again where he like lists three or four things, and then two of them I'm like, how do you even? Like, how do you even try and justify that bit that being included in this list? Like, social media makes it extraordinarily easy to join crusades, express solidarity as if that's a bad thing, and outrage and shun traitors. Like, yes, we should express like, solidarity. Yeah, Donnie, I've seen your Twitter feed. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Like, he's describing his online activity. He's describing this book. Exactly. <laughs> The book is called Triggered. Like, he is triggered. Like, that's that's exactly it. Also, I love the fact that he's like, oh, I'm glad I didn't have a cell phone. Yes. And so are all my friends. Because we, oh. that would not have been good for us if there had been a digital record of the shit that we had done when we were younger. Oh, yeah. I was exactly. like, what were you doing? Also, this, <laughs> exactly. this paragraph, I had to pause. So he says... During my freshman year move-in day at Penn, I was the only student in my building who came alone to the dorm and unpacked my own stuff. Boo-hoo, so was I. After my mom's wine at Taco Bell incident, I was relieved to be 100% solo at Penn. What? So you missed that chapter. I believe that was our first chapter. Okay, uh, I didn't... It was either our first or second chapter, I don't remember when, when we learned that when he was dropped off at Penn by his mom, uh, they went to Taco Bell near campus, and his mother... um, It was the the high school. Oh, yeah, that was boarding school. That was boarding school, you're right. So, um, yes, uh, on the way to drop him off at boarding school, they stopped at a Taco Bell, and his mother tried to order a Chardonnay at Taco Bell. Yes. That was the story. That was the story. But he's so down to earth. That was the story. I know. Well, he was mortified, apparently. He was mortified. Look, honestly, that was a funny story. It was obviously Riesling weather. (laughs) 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 Yes, because I've heard uh, y'all's previous two chapters, but I don't think Mm -hmm. I got into the first one yet. But uh, yeah, no, I saw that and I was just like, I don't remember them talking about this. Did I black (laughs) out? Like, what? (laughs) 
I like I even went back through and was like, what is what is the Taco Bell incident? I need to know <laughs> everything about this. No, the Taco Bell incident was one of the few legitimately funny things he wrote. I, I had to say I have to give him at least credit for being willing to put that into print. It was pretty goddamn hilarious. It was funny. Yeah. <laughs> so we move on and we get more stories of campus craziness and, and SJWs. And we get the incident at Yale. Uh, where in Halloween 2015, faculty members send out emails telling people to avoid offensive costumes, such as uh, sombreros, mustaches, Asian dresses. And I, I, he doesn't include it, but I think Native American headdress was included on that I list. I think that was the main thing. I'm pretty sure it was the main movie, thing. Yeah. yeah, like, uh, yeah. And he does throw in the Elizabeth Warren jab there, so I'm course, pretty yes. sure it probably was. He just left it out. And how a lecturer later wrote an email uh, saying that maybe they shouldn't do that or something like that, and she was treated pretty poorly by the campus community. And look, maybe there's a point there. Maybe that she was treated pretty bad for uh, voicing a, a different opinion, and she apparently laid out a pretty reasonable argument for why she wanted to do so. She's not some right-wing conservative loon. She just had different ideas on how this should be handled, and maybe she was treated pretty poorly. Okay, I will give him one point against the 200 uh, on the other side for this chapter so far. But again, it's like the whole thing of like, oh, well, I'm not racist, but I definitely want to dress up like a sexy Native American. And it's like, do you not understand that there is a crisis in this country with like missing and murdered indigenous women? Like maybe not the best time to like be arguing about why you should be able to dress up like a sexy Native woman. Like this is a guy whose father cannot uh, cannot bring up Elizabeth Warren without using a slur towards Native Americans. So I, I don't know what exactly you think we're going to get out of this guy here. Yeah, I, I know. But it's still, it's just like, again, it's like, oh, but you're telling me I shouldn't be a dick? Well, now I'm going to be a real dick. And I'm like, who who does this? Well, that's what it is, right? It's all reactionary, right? We've Charlie Kirk and Donnie Jr. and all these people in this sort of right-wing... Uh, I don't even want to call them the Twitter sphere, more like the, the trollosphere, right? Because that's all yeah. they are. They're online trolls who have somehow elevated to a position they never deserved, never earned. Their entire thing is someone says something and they go to the as far to the other side of that as they can because that's how they're going to get the biggest reaction and the more followers and the more retweets and that makes them feel good about themselves. And that's that's really, I think, where most of it comes from. Can can I also just point out that this woman, I mean, yes, she resigned from her post originally, um, and her husband took a sabbatical. Her husband is now a co-chair at the university of various things and still a professor there, and she is on the National Board of Early Educators. So it's not like their careers have been ruined by making this stand, which is, I think, always the implication, and then we never check in again. Like People are, are silenced and told they can't say certain things, but then they, po- they tend to pop up not that long later in national posts as well. No, they were again, canceled. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I love that's canceled. true. Cancelled. Yeah, cancelled. How do I cancel? Maybe Is I'll there like a website cancel. I have to go to? Where do I cancel? I want to cancel them. <laughs> there <are laughs> Fill it out in triplicate. <laughs> have it notarized. It's very complicated. Google Forms. It's on Google Forms. That's where it is. Uh, but the next story of campus craziness we get is the math is racist trope, which of course conservatives love to bring up, but they've never actually read that fucking article. Uh, and it it's it doesn't say math is racist. Okay, the the point of that article was the way we teach math has a lot to do with race. 
So students who are of color tend to be left behind because they're expected to underperform in math, while white students and Asian students get more attention. And then there's a multiplicative effect where they then perform better in math, and it continues onward and upwards. That was the point of that article, but of course Republicans and conservatives just like to drill it down to math is racist. Look how stupid these liberals are saying math is racist. Yeah, shockingly, there's no citation for that one. Of course not. Yeah, because then you would see the article and then you might actually be like, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. (laughs) (laughs) And then the last one we get is uh, a a petition at Oberlin College in Ohio that would make C the lowest grade that a student could receive in classes. The idea being to make students not feel like they were being left behind. And let me tell you, as someone who's been in college now for, oh God, how long have I been in college? Eight years? Eight years. The lowest grade you can get is a C anywhere. Anywhere. If a professor doesn't like you, they give you a C. That's what you get. Nobody gives out Fs unless you just don't do the work. And and our, our, our good buddy... Uh, uh, Aaron can confirm this, the lowest grade is basically a C. I'm not even sure. Morgan, I don't even think any law schools, other than if you're doing pass-fail, I don't think it's possible to get below a C at a law school. I don't know. I wouldn't know that because I'm smart. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I am as well. But you know know some dumb people. You party with some dumb people. You hear about people getting Cs and you're horrified. I I did hear a rumor about a D. Ooh. But I hear, oh, but that was a rumor and speculate wild speculation. So I can't right. confirm. But um, you get what I'm getting at, right? You never yeah, hear like, about anybody getting C's. No, like generally I, it's a B. B in in law school. Generally, if you're you know in the lower percentile of that class, you get a B. Well, I've heard of, I, we gave there were some C's that were given out at my law school, but um, oh, okay. But yeah, I, would say I haven't like, heard of anybody like getting a straight up F because usually what they would do is they would drop. Right. Yeah, like those people are going to drop anyway, so it doesn't matter. Generally, in any essay writing subjects, like you're going to do, it's harder to do really well, but it's harder to fuck up entirely because you've always made a point. Apart from Donald Trump Jr., obviously, but like if you're writing an essay and have some knowledge of the subject, you have written something tangibly related to the subject and presumably made an argument, even if it's a bad argument. And as such, you're probably going to bottom out at a C. In math, maybe you get D's. Like, yeah, math, right math is where wrong. you do fail like, quite a Where I yeah. know plenty of people who have failed plenty of math classes. Or like if you're like doing pre-med. If they ask you to build the bridge yeah. and the yeah. bridge falls down, then Absolutely. that's probably not good news. Or like organic Absolutely. chemistry. Like I've had friends like flunk out of that. Oh. But like that's like these people are trying to go to medical school. So they're like, let's, Morgan, how, let's how, not. How, how great was our decision for law school instead of medical school or anything having to do with math or science, right? We had the right choice on that grounds. I mean, that's well, what kept be me wrong. out of medical school. Was, <laughs> I was like, oh, I have to do math? Who has the time? I so. know. I know. I'm with you. So anyways, we move on to the next section of this chapter where we start getting into more thoroughly, even though he brought it up a little bit earlier, the idea of words as violence. And specifically, he brings up here microaggressions, which is this word that Republicans do not understand, but will endlessly talk all. about. Not at all. No. I did not understand this at all. It's great. Right. So he he, uh, he writes out that a few of the things included on the list of microaggressions that was coined by a, a professor at Harvard University includes, so where are you from? You must do well in school. I like your hair. What kind of music do you like? And etc. Now, those questions between me and Benedict 
don't sound that strange. Now, I would never say I like Benedict's hair, seeing as he no, has No, I don't hair. have any. Yeah. yeah. But when I'm meeting someone of color and I say, so where are you from? That's a pretty fucking shitty thing to say because it pretty much assumes I think they're not from the United fucking States, doesn't it? And also, like, it's not really, like, it's, so where are you really from? Like, that's mm-hmm. the implication here. Like, right. that's, you know, that it's, it's, it, as you, as you said it, it's with the emphasis on the mm-hmm. you. Like, where are you from? Exactly. Like, not where, are you, where are you from? Where are you really are you from? from? I don't believe <laughs> yeah, you're exactly. from Baltimore. I know you're from the exactly. homeland of Vietnam. Like, you know, right. go on and say it. Like, that's what it is. And also he says, I use these as icebreakers all the time. And I'm like, if I have never <laughs> oh, once God. worried that my icebreakers are microaggressions. The fact that you had yeah. that thought, you might want to reexamine what you're doing at parties, well, bro. Also, like, it's like, oh, you must do well in school. Like, yeah, if it's not connected to anything that anyone's been talking about school and you just met right. the person, then yeah, if you think they do well in school, then it, maybe you're making assumptions based on their race. Like, yeah. Also, the most psychotic shit in this book like, <laughs> is when he goes, maybe you're stuck in an elevator with someone and you think a quick icebreaker <laughs> might make the ride go faster. <laughs> what no. kind of psychopath is doing that in an elevator? What kind of psychopath is talking to someone in an elevator? Exactly. If somebody That's talks to me in an elevator, shit. I'm like, they're going to murder me. <laughs> they're going to come to my apartment. They're going to memorize where I live. And then they're going to stalk me out. And then they're going to kill me. Like that's, exactly. if you talk to me in an elevator, I'm like, you're a murderer. I'm sorry. It's the mo- that is the most psychotic shit I've read in this book. So this far. is why you wear earbuds everywhere. Everywhere I mean, you go. Yeah, that doesn't even That's stop true. people, though. I like, I'm just gonna <laughs> like take the earbud out, take the earbud out, ma'am, especially to women. Ma'am, I am yeah. talking. I'm like, yeah. I know. That's why I'm wearing these. <laughs> yeah. Oh god, but really, he's he's pushing back on this as though he really wants to say stupid shit to people. And I just I want to see him meet a Puerto Rican in an elevator and ask, "So, do you really want to be in America?" That's what I really, I want video footage of him, him, him then being beaten half to death by the person that he said yeah. that to. Or saying, yeah. let me touch your hair. Yes, like, God. He's so bad. Yeah, like, God. Yeah, him meeting Candace Owens. I like your hair. It's so curly. Yeah. I'm also interested in the, the stuff about the uh, administrative staff. Kevin, do you know anything about that at the University of California? Oh, about uh, hiring of more. Yeah, there's been an uptick in administrative staff and he falsely attributes the uptick of administrative staff to diversity officers and things yeah, like that um, as a massive percentage of the right. increase of the of the fourfold increase a massive percentage of that is... yeah and realistically like no the university of california system is just expanding and so they're hiring more administrative staff and presumably the number of students has just got bigger that's like what he neglects right. to mention he's like oh the number of teaching faculties stayed around the same so yeah, classes have got bigger, and you need more administrative staff to to deal with that. Like well, that's they they hire you know there. career uh, career advisors and all those sorts of things. So, but he's just he's claiming in this book that the largest portion of increase in UC staff is diversity officers and things like that, which is just ridiculous. Of course, he has no citation for that. It's it's out of nowhere, as with most of the points he tries to make in this book. Um, How dare they make minorities feel welcome? I know, right? Isn't it awful? But so we get now, and this is the part where we all, I'm sure, went, oh, this is delicious. Where he says, I'm sure 
if you've been paying attention to this chapter, you might get the impression that all college campuses are horrible all the time, that they're filled with SJW freaks who want to shut down all speech that doesn't make them feel safe. But visiting colleges wasn't all that bad. In fact, we had a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what was the point of this chapter, Donnie? Yeah, it's very weird. Also, he well, does I mean, have before, a... Before the, oh, go ahead, Benedict. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, so I was just going to say, he does have this weird line before that where he talks about being anti-fragile. Yeah, oh, and God. also, quote, and he's like, according to economist Nassim Nicholas Tlaib, I don't know if you know Nassim Nicholas Tlaib, he has had one good idea in his mm-hmm. life, which was the Black Swan idea. That's the only good book he's ever written. Everything else has been utterly insane. And I'm not even sure he qualifies as an economist. He made a lot of money trading stocks, but as far as I'm aware, he doesn't actually have a degree but also, in economics. why are we... Why are we... Or- do quoting, any work in the field. Why are we quoting an economist on something that's clearly psychological? Because Republicans like, is, think it sounds smart to quote an economist yeah. in every single area, even when it clearly doesn't apply. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, but this sentence, other things such as steel and rocks don't break no matter how much pressure you apply to them. I, oh, I yeah, did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> they were immune to it. Like, a rock can never break, ever. I didn't know y'all knew that. I can break a rock. Let me tell you, I can break a rock. I know how to break rocks. It's not that hard to break a rock. Yeah. It can't also, be done. Uh, just, Didn't he also work in the construction job. industry? Like, that was his whole bragging point, like, yeah. earlier about, <laughs> like, really? in the book. And now he's, like, stealing rocks. Or did he rocks, sit in an air-conditioned office? Yeah. Yeah. And then at the end of that paragraph, he's like, uh, students are demanding to be treated as if they're fragile. They say that if they're exposed to too many bad ideas, like that's an interesting characterization of conservative <laughs> ideas that you've just done for yourself there. I know. They do have bad ideas. But yes, now we turn to that portion of the chapter where he's talking about how, as Morgan mentioned at the beginning, all the co-eds just can't get enough of that DJT Jr., yeah, it's very weird. Also, like, he spent this whole chapter being like, ugh, the worst things happen at colleges. Like, people trying to be respectful to other people and think about <laughs> other people's feelings. What we need is a big fucking frat party. That's yeah. much better. Like, that's, also, that's he the says, side of college that we want to reintroduce. He says, like, the SEC and ACC, and then he talks about going to an ACC game and never talks about going to an SEC campus ever again. And that is because the SEC is far superior, I would just like to say. <laughs> and it's so typical that he brags about going to a Florida State Clemson game because Clemson is full of perpetual whiners and preps who think they are country. Same goes to Florida State. So yeah, he does fit in perfectly there because he thinks he wore camo once, therefore he's working class. So yeah, it's very typical that he went to, you know, that kind of uh, game. But yeah, also I love how he's bragging about how, oh, it was clothing optional and all these girls were just after me. And then he says this after a paragraph about where he talks about how nice Mike Pence was to him. And I'm like, would Mike, would, would mother wouldn't let Mike Pence go to such a riotous event? Mother wouldn't let Mike Pence read this chapter because of the talk of clothing optional co-eds. Yeah, like, aren't you a conservative who is like, women need to stay at home, but then you're like, oh, these naked 20-year-olds. And I'm like, I have, and also, again, this man is 42 years old. (laughs) 
bragging about how he went to a frat party once. And then he was like, and then, yeah, I'm sure you'll get into the very specific things that most definitely happened. So I can't wait. Well, this frat party was apparently on the campaign trip. Well, there's, there's, there's two things he talks about here. He talks about the frat party, which I believe, I don't, I think he said it was at uh, Florida state. It was where the frat party was. Yeah. Uh, And so at this frat party, he goes with his buddy, Charlie Kirk, of course. That's how he gets into these sorts of things. Because Charlie Kirk, the college dropout, has all the connections at the college frat parties. Uh, So they go, and of course, if you've been to a frat house, which I'm sure, I don't know, do they have fraternities in England, Benedict? No. No? It's not a thing there? All no, that is a, is a uniquely American okay. trash. Yeah. So you go somewhere else to drink your tea and, and eat Kirk's your crumpets. Well, yeah. I mean, they just, they let us drink in pubs from 18 because we're not God. a repressed society. So. <laughs> okay, you have that. I guess you have that on us. Um, but so a frat party, I mean, frat parties are frat parties. It's full of terrible guys that you probably know two of, and that's how you got in. Uh, and then, yeah, a bunch of drunk women who are trying to get all the alcohol they can before going to the football game uh, and then having to be carried home because they lost their shoe and they're puking all over themselves. That's just my experience. Uh, <laughs> but So he talks about going to this seminal uh, frat party where he's being swarmed by everyone. He's being swarmed and they expected him to make a speech because you know how much college students love Donald Trump Jr., so he had to get up onto a table, and they handed him a microphone connected to a small amplifier, and the women just started swarming all over him, climbing up we onto get, the picnic table. We get the, table. Nice, the nice parenthetical as well of, now I consider myself a pretty handsome guy. Hey, yeah. I'm a Trump. What do you expect? That's the third time that that's happened in this book so far, <laughs> that exact phrasing. Well, you, the, the part after that is, but I had never thought of myself as girls climbing onto a picnic table to get at me awesome or handsome. And That was the correct assessment. Yeah, a picnic that table's not that assessment. hard. It's not like they're having to try very hard to get at him to climb onto a picnic table. There's usually a step there to help you get up. Uh, so I'm not sure if it's all that big of a deal that they're climb onto a picnic table to get at you handsome. Um, but that's the entire point. Of this story here, that yeah. he stood on a picnic table and women crawled at him to try and get at that D. That's the entire point of that story, as far as I can tell. I this presume this happened. was at the height of his the height oh, of his divorce dadness, right? Never fuck. If this fucking happened at a frat party, there would be uh, you know cell phone video from twenty angles. It never yeah. fucking happened. Of course it didn't. No. Yeah, there's no And way. he probably was trying to make a speech and everybody was like, bro, what are you doing? But yeah, I love how he's like, the women, I had to like climb a fence like an army ranger to get away from them or whatever. And I was like, look, I am a hoe. And I wouldn't even look at this man. I would not even breathe in his direction. Like this, like this is insane. Like, and then I am like, like yeah, no. And I was one who went for heavy, like history professor dad energy too. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Never in a million years would I even breathe in this man's direction. So I don't know why he is making this up look, because I promise this did not happen in a million years. This is a guy who, at best, is the better looking of the two McPoyles, but he thinks he's Chris Hemsworth. Maybe they're trying to steal his wallet. That's what I'd be trying to do. <laughs> I'd be you like, know what? That's a better bar. explanation. And, le- yeah. and yeah, and then uh, me and my friends, we're going to go to the bar, and then you're not going to say anything because then you're going to have to admit that this never happened. Like, 
I'm not saying to do that, of course, but I'm just saying, hypothetically, yes. on an alternate Earth, maybe, perhaps, this would be a thing. Maybe. Maybe. I, I very much Allegedly. doubt this happened. But the next story we get, and the story that weirdly ends the chapter, right? This is such a weird way to end a chapter, is the story of him going to an Ohio State University. Uh, I believe it was a football game again, but it was another incident at uh, – some sort of room, I don't know, a hall, something, who knows. Uh, it could have been a football game, actually, because of the way the story ends. But where he's standing around, talking to everyone, shaking hands with everybody, and there was a big guy standing in the center of the room. And since this is the last chapter, the last paragraph of the chapter, I guess I'll read it, as I always oh, do. Oh, this is, this is his literary flourish of the mm-hmm. chapter. Yes, yes. Beautiful. And so he says, the crowd at OSU was particularly so, uh, meaning great. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> that literally this family only has like 12 adjectives they can use great is one of them but this crowd was particularly so he says in the sea of trump fans that day however i notice a guy standing in the middle of the room by himself if i told you he was big it wouldn't actually accurately capture the size of him he could blot out the sun he stood there like an oak not saying a word to anyone just surveying the crowd i had to find out what his story was before we left I walked over to him. Hey, what's up? I asked in a friendly tone. <laughs> that is the lamest way to start your conversation in a book. God. And the guy, rep- the guy replies, I'm just here so no bullshit happens, he said. As it turned out, he was the center for the OSU football team. Needless to say, Antifa was nowhere in sight. Ohio. That is how he ends the chapter. Also, well, the other thing that really confused me is that like this last bit. That can't be how you like transcribe Ohio because he does it as O H dash I O, which to me it just read as O I O, which is not that's not how it's supposed to sound. That's the part is that he got it wrong. O dash high dash O, presumably like. Oh, it's it's... confusing. So I will be calling them Ohio State from now on. You have to call him the Ohio, the Ohio, however you said it, I don't know. That, that's, oh, McDonald had a farm, Ohio. <laughs> also, either this guy was, like, threatening protesters, which he said, I love protests and free debate earlier, but unless- Or, it's more left, likely, there were no protesters because nobody cares about him. Yeah, and then he's like, so either that happens or this, and also he's like, I went to find out his story. And so I said, Hey, what's up? Like, that's not finding out someone's life story. And then just saying, I'm just here so no bullshit happens. Okay, cool. Like, that apparently, that's yeah, how do you story. know he was on your side? Yeah, like, like he could have been drunk. He probably was. It was just like, oh, I'm just here making sure no bullshit happens. Cause if, it, especially if this is like a party, like, he's probably just. You know, just being like, make sure nobody acts stupid or whatever. Like, it's not about you. It's, again, he thinks everything's about him, clearly. Oh, he obviously does. Anyways, we made it through the chapter. We made it through. And obviously, as we know from all these chapters, we never learn anything. There is nothing to learn from any of these chapters. (laughs) So, of course, I will ask you a question about something we may know. And that is... If this chapter was assigned reading in a Trump University class, what would that class be called? Uh, Contrickery 101. <laughs> okay, okay. That's Morgan? Me. How to tell a story about how hot you are, but not making that the <laughs> obvious point. 
See, that sounds like more of the way that Trump would name a class. It does, <laughs> doesn't it? It's like, she doesn't know anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. How about we, we love our big sweaty boy, don't we, folks? <laughs> <laughs> my big adult, my no, I did have that in my notes about the Ohio State football player. I said someone's large adult son was there. <laughs> if you could come pick up your large adult son, please. Uh, he just stands around here and tells everyone he's trying to not make make sure no bullshit happens. He's standing scare- around, blotting out the sun. We're all in the shade. This he's so starting to scare annoying. mother. He's really starting to scare mother. Uh, anyway, he's terrified of the naked women. Like we gotta, we gotta stop this. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Morgan, I have to thank Apologize for making you reading this book and for having you here. Fantastic. As always, we love having you on the show. You're so much fun to have around. Oh, if anyone you. wants to find more of you, where can they do it? All right. Well, you can, the easiest way to find me is on my Twitter, at Mostring. That's M-O-S-T-R-I-N-G. I have to spell it because of my accent. But... Um, <laughs> You can also check out uh, my, I guess he's my boss now, my boss's podcast, Opening Arguments on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are found. Awesome. Excellent. We love Andrew on the show. Uh, So, with that out of the way, thank you all for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you just can't get enough of us, of course, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash NYGBC and become a patron for as little as $2 an episode for patron-only episodes, shout-outs on the show, drawings to win our copies of the books we read, and more. As always, we have to give a shout-out to our wonderful and amazing patrons, AJ Brantley, Taru Takanen, Andrew Jenko, Becky Scott Fairley, Skeptical Seventh, Emily Burke, and Brusque Platypus. That's it for this week's show. Till next time, I am Vengeance. I am the Knight. I am Batman. Goodbye. I'm just Ben. Goodbye. Not Your Grandmother's Book Club Podcast is a production of Kevin and Benedict Productions. Copyright 2020, all rights reserved. Music for this podcast is by Silverman Sound Studios. Find out more at silvermansound.com. I do comic book um, outros to annoy Ben Nick because I keep trying to get him to read comic books and he refuses. Yes, I, I saw the. Right, have you read the Have you read the Watchmen uh, comic yet? God damn it, Benedict! Read fucking <laughs> I Watchmen. I haven't. I, ha- I haven't. I have to say, I haven't. I'm reading too many real books. You can do both. Like I've told you, one you can read like 20, 30 pages at a time. It's separated that way because it was published as individual comic books. Just read one of them. It's a ground-breaking graphic novel. That and the Dark Knight Frank Miller series are what defined graphic fucking novel!